When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. The powerful new Hurricane Katrina documentary, Katrina Babies, is currently streaming on HBO Max. I spoke with director Edward Buckles Jr., who was just 13 years old when the devastating storm forced his family to evacuate New Orleans. Uh, My name is Edward Buckles. I am the director, producer, and writer of Katrina Babies. And Katrina Babies is a great, excellent new documentary. It's on HBO Max. It just dropped a week or two ago. So everyone fired up on HBO Max. It's must-watch stuff about Hurricane Katrina. Obviously, I want to go into, like, you know, your idea of filming the movie itself. But before we even get to that, I guess we have to say um, you are a Katrina baby yourself. So I guess remind yes. remind us your actual experience growing up with the hurricane. And then, you know, then we'll go into the movie in a minute. But set the stage with your actual, um, you know, those horrific memories. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I was I was 13 years old when Hurricane Katrina, uh, you know, struck New Orleans, and I was one of the um, children that 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 was fortunate enough to evacuate at the last second. My mom wanted to, you know, um, leave New Orleans um, because of the fact that you know she had a bad feeling about the storm. Obviously, the news was going crazy, uh, and this wasn't this wasn't normal for us like normally we we would ride out storms which means that we would just you know um stay in new orleans and board up the house and get get canned goods and candles and we'll just you know make a thing out of it because every year during hurricane season there's a threat that you know new orleans is going to be quote unquote washed away but you know we hadn't seen that since since you know hurricane betsy which wasn't even in my lifetime you know so we didn't really take hurricane serious seriously that much in new orleans <clears throat> Um, one, and then also, you know, e- evacuating costs, you know, like a lot of money, you know. Um, so this year, my mom decided to uh, evacuate again, which wasn't normal. And I'm glad that we did. We uh, went up north. Um, no, no, I'm sorry. North of uh, Louisiana. And it took us about 14 hours to get somewhere that would normally take us two hours. And wow. uh, I was coming from a neighborhood in uh, in, in uh, Gretna. Um, um which was called time clock um and and you know when we left that neighborhood you know a lot of people didn't leave like like many people in that neighborhood didn't leave so when we left we were like kind of like the outcast like of the group um and we wound up having to go you know to this shelter because uh you know hotels were booked up and it was like this 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 flea market turned shelter and all i remember is like going to sleep that night and you know, waking up the next morning, and like it was just crazy news cameras there, and a television with the news was on, and that's when I saw New Orleans underwater, and like that's when I realized that this wasn't like a normal storm, and that I wasn't going home, 
you know, as fast as I thought that we were going home. You know, I wound up having to go to school literally a few days later, uh, which was wild to me because it, it, it's just like, you know, we just saw New Orleans be flooded. Um, so, like, you know, going to school that soon was crazy. And, you know, um, so, yeah, like it it, 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 it it was a pretty intense, you know, thing to experience at 13 for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you said your family um you know got out but i know you know your your, your cousins and their family yeah. this beloved house that you used to go visit and hang out you yeah. said you could still smell the rice with the gravy that your aunt would make yeah. and everything. uh i love all those little details by the way in the movie but um they they decided to stay behind and, and it was so powerful in the movie how you say you know you're watching tv and and someone you see those images and someone else says oh everyone that stayed is dead and you're you think they're yeah. gone and you know um, it's, yeah. it's powerful stuff, but t- talk about how, I mean, how, how scared were you for, for the, your family members that, yeah. that stayed behind? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I have a really, 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 really big family. So like anytime anyone asks me like, you know, where I'm from, it, it's always complicated because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm from all, like I always say, I'm from all around town, you know, because of the <laughs> yeah. fact that, because of the fact that, you know, my parents at a very young age, we moved, um, you know, quote unquote across the uh, river because of the fact of, you know, you know, just some like, you know, like it was just like a new start. New Orleans was, you know, it, it, it like certain things that happened like in the family that was traumatic. So we moved to that side, but we were the only people on that side of the river. So I spent most of my childhood, you know, in the seven ward and, and downtown and, you know, uptown. So I always say I'm from all around town, but, you know, my family, they were in the eight ward at the time. And, you know, I never did anything without my cousins. Everything, everything that, you know, I can remember before Hurricane Katrina, it was with my cousins. And, you know, it was very, very, very odd that, that like my cousins were not with me during that trip, you know, um, and like during that time that we were evacuating. And again, I'm not thinking anything is going to happen, you know, to New Orleans. I'm not thinking that Hurricane Katrina is going to actually, you know, do something bad, you know. Um, I'm, I'm kind of in my own little innocent world. And when I saw that, you know, New Orleans was underwater and like when I saw that, you know, Circle Food Store, which was the grocery store that my family shopped at, when I saw that, you know, that was underwater, I knew that my cousin's neighborhood was underwater. And, you know, I, I, I'll never forget that it was this older woman. And, you know, I asked, like, I, I think that that was my first moment of curiosity and worry because, you know, I asked her, matter of fact, I just proposed the question out loud. I said, wait, you know, if, 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 if New Orleans is underwater, right, you know, if like Circle Food Store is underwater, what about everybody who stayed, you know, back? Like, like where are they? Because I didn't know anything about punching holes in the roof. I didn't know anything about, you know, going into an attic, right? So, right. you know, and, 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 you know, she turned to me and literally she just said, you know, like everybody who stayed in New Orleans is dead. And when she said that, I, I just remember like I started crying and like I remember like my father and my mom like yelled at her. So, <laughs> they yelled at her so much because like it's like, you know, why would you tell a kid like that? Like like something like that, you know? And you know, thank God that wasn't true though. You know, thank God that wasn't true. Um, they were able to get rescued after about three days. Um, but it was still like a very traumatic experience. Oh my God. Yeah. And, uh, it's, and watching, watching it is, I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, you, you don't even, as a kid, you can't even fathom the idea of, you know, punching holes in addicts, but I mean, just the idea of 
there there's some there's some uh, I guess audio of like uh, of like nine one one calls with with a woman saying um, I'm going to drown in my attic. I mean, yeah. think this think of that phrase. I mean, yeah. and, and talk about couches floating and, and boat rescue boats coming into the living room. I mean, there's yeah. these little sound bites that that just sent off alarm bells in my head. Like, wow, this is not normal, and you live through it. So I mean, I just you know, man, uh, I'm just it, it blows yeah. me away. Well, I guess um, yeah. Uh, before, yeah, I mean, let's let's go ahead and go into your inspiration for making this. Um, what was it? And you show it a little in the movie, but what was it when you were teaching media uh, to all those young kids, and you're hearing them interview each other, and and hearing them uh, finally being vulnerable and letting out their trauma, and realizing that none of them have talked about it? Is that what inspired you to do it, or what what inspired no, you? No, no, I, I mean that was a very pivotal moment in the uh, journey. But I actually started making this film when I was in college. Okay. Um, where was that? You know, uh, Dillard University in New Orleans. And um, I was I was taking a film class. Um, well, no, I'm sorry. I, I studied film and I was taking a documentary class. And, you know, the, obviously in that doc class, we watched a whole bunch of documentaries and they all proposed the question, you know, if you ever could make a documentary, what would it be about? And, you know, I didn't know that answer for a while. I would say that I sat on that answer for like, you know, maybe maybe about a year. And um, that's when that's when my cousin Tina, who's in the film, um, she she called one holiday season, and she was just very very emotional because Tina is still displaced. Like you know, Tina never returned back to New Orleans. Um, you know, are her children? Um, well, like Daryl just returned, but like you know, like during their youth, they never returned. And she called, and you know, she wanted to speak with everybody because you know it was a holiday, and I guess she, she was feeling lonely. And when it was my turn to speak with her, you know, she brought up the fact that, you know, she heard that I was into film and into theater. And she was like, you know, one day I'm gonna let you read my diary and, you know, and, 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 you know, make a movie about me. And, you know, I thought that she was joking. And so she and I kind of like, you know, stayed on the phone talked a little bit. And like, that's when she, you know, began to open up about what happened during Hurricane Katrina. And, you know, she opened up, opened up about, you know, some heavy and deep things that she and her children um experienced and as soon as she told me what she and the children experienced it made me think about growing up in a post-Katrina New Orleans which was really really bad it was it was violent you know um you know it it just wasn't a place for for like a kid to grow up healthy right um you know um it 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 it, it, it was violent um you know and the craziest part is I felt that like the adults and the press and the uh, local government, they were blaming like the kids for how that trauma was surfacing. So when she told me that story about what, you know, what she and the kids experienced, something clicked and it made me want to draw parallels between that state of New Orleans and what she told me her children had experienced in, 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 in Hurricane Katrina and what I had experienced, you know, from 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 uh, Hurricane Katrina, and like, it really just made me, you know, want to look at that and 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 like propose a question. You know, how does that type of trauma impact the kid? And you know, what happens? You know, what you know if that kid doesn't get that trauma out appropriately? Um, so like that was my first you know approach to the documentary. Once I started to teach high school, and once I started to interview more, you know, of my peers that's when the journey became more validating. And like, that's when, you know, it became more complex because I started to learn things about like PTSD and anxiety. And, you know, through my students, I learned about fight or flight and, 
you know, just like really how sad they were, you know? Um, so, you know, every piece of the journey, you know, from me starting in film school, you know, to me graduating and then becoming a media teacher, you know, um, to me interviewing my family and, you know, my peers, it, it all served its own purpose. And, you know, I kind of made this thing on like a shoestring budget. I didn't have any funding, um, really. Um, and, you know, I just used like, you know, one camera and a, 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 a small Zoom, Zoom handy recorder. And, you know, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I just led with story. And, you know, that's kind of what, you know, got us here, you know, is the fact that, you know, this story is just something that, that, that is powerful. It needs to be heard. It's important that the children of New Orleans and the uh, young people who experience Hurricane Katrina are owning their narratives again. So, you know, it's, it's, it's been a long journey, but, you know, I'm definitely glad that, you know, we're here. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and I love what you're saying. I mean, that, that, the the fight or flight trauma that's just been held up in so like a whole generation of kids that are now adults you know what i mean uh that yeah. that is such a good core message and, and a through line in the documentary in the movie um that that makes your katrina babies movie it makes it unique because obviously con- hurricane katrina has been covered to death you know like uh spike lee yes. did the, <laughs> when the levees broke Re- requiem in four yeah. act uh, you know, one of the defi- yeah. maybe this definitive thing on it, but that came out like a year after. But that was in like '06. So what yeah. makes Katrina Babies cool and and unique compared to that and all the other ones since is this through line of the babies, Katrina Babies, in the title. It's that yeah. you've all had to you've been living th- with this inside of you, and and finally, it's some of them break down in tears, uh, finally getting to say, and you yourself, like interviewing yourself. Um, that's what yeah. that's what makes it powerful to me. Did you did you know? Did you like sense like a, almost like uh a relief or this release when you're filming these people including yourself like oh my god i finally am able to talk about this yes well honestly i didn't i didn't understand the weight i didn't understand what i i didn't really understand what what i was really signing myself up for when i first you know started to make this film you know i i was i was this young you know i i i got this idea when i was 20 20 i i physically started working on this project when i was 23 Right. And I finished it when I was 30. So I spent all of my 20s working on this project. So, you know, you know, like imagine being 20 again and, you know, you're trying to navigate life and, you know, and 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 like, you know, you're super immature. Now, add that to also trying to carry something as heavy as Katrina and carry like an entire city. You know, I didn't realize what I was carrying. And it wasn't until I interviewed, you know, the first group of people from the community um that that you know i realized that wow this is really some heavy stuff and when maisha williams who is you know one of my closest friends and she's the first person in the document documentary to say i've never talked about this stuff before because no one ever asked me that was new to me i didn't realize that you know i didn't realize that that was one of the um 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 through lines in this film that like most of the young people of hurricane katrina never spoke about this um i knew that i never spoke about it but i i didn't realize that it was a whole community of people who had never been asked simply how are you doing after hurricane katrina how are you feeling after hurricane katrina and when i realized that you know it was a very validating moment in my journey because i because i i realized this story does matter this this story is important because i'm not just putting light on a story I'm actually starting a process to, you know, getting something out and possibly healing, 
you know? So yes, there was a release once I realized that, you know, these were not just interviews. These were almost like therapy, right? You know, like I've, I've, I've had certain people literally tell me, you know, man, like, you know, that just felt like a therapy session. I didn't even realize that I had all of that stuff bottled in, you know? Um, and obviously, you know, hearing all of those stories and talking to my peers and, and, and my students, it allowed me to recognize my own trauma, you know? Um, it allowed me to recognize the fact that I was also in, in you know, a similar space when it came to how I was, you know, suppressing my trauma. Um, and, you know, I think that what's been beautiful about this film and like what it's doing, you know, for the community is that it's finally starting a conversation amongst us all and it's starting some type of pathway to healing. And that's just really exciting. Oh yeah, pathway to healing is what this is all about. Um, yeah. and, and speaking of that healing, it, it's, um, it's almost like, how do I say almost like multi-pronged because I mean, a lot of, a lot of people, you know, nationwide, worldwide will remember the horrific images of the actual floodwaters and people trapped on the roofs, et cetera, air, airlift out and helicopters, et cetera. But to, a lot of them might not know. And I want you to remind them that there were almost several chapters of trauma that happened after that. For instance, Get, getting all, all evacuees all gathered in these mass areas. You mentioned like a converted flea market. There's some people that look like they're in a Domino's pizza. Of course, the yeah. the Superdome, the, the New Orleans Saints Stadium packed to capacity. One person calls it like concentration camp style. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that's that's how crazy jam-packed everyone is. People are dying and can't get yeah. their insulin, etc. And then beyond that, yeah. people forced to live in these trailers that come, you find out that, what was it, formaldehyde or something? There's a yes. chemical and they're growing tumors in their belly and then you see this yep. scars on the woman's tummy I mean, yeah not talk just, about, you know remind them and it yeah. wasn't just hurricane winds and water it's yeah. it's the way that the society um in the government state local federal like really just kind of left people yes. out, out to dry yes state local and federal i mean you know it's 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 um i always say yes you know hurricane katrina was a natural disaster and that's arguable because you know if we're talking about climate maybe <laughs> you know maybe it's not you know natural but you know I, like like in 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 our simple terms i always say that hurricane katrina was a natural disaster but the way that that it was handled um the uh actual recovery it was not natural at all it was very unnatural um and like it was very criminal you know um when you speak about damaris you know damaris is the young woman who stayed in the FEMA trailer that was filled with formaldehyde. And that's what, you know, that's one of the poisons that's used to, you know, embalm, you know, dead bodies, right? And, you know, and, you know, what's even crazier is the only reason that she stayed in that trailer is because of the fact that there was a, there was a, you know, there was a news um, announcement that New Orleans was open, you know, that, 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 that like New Orleans was ready for us to come back. So, you know, when she heard that, you know, she's a student and she wants to finish school. So she comes back to New Orleans and they set her up with a trailer that she didn't know was filled with poison. And, mm -hmm. you know, a few months later, she realized that a, 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 a tumor was growing, you know, in her belly. And that's when she realized that it was cancer. And since then, she's had like three different forms of cancer, diabetes, and it's all linked to the FEMA trailer. And there's a whole community of people who lived in these trailers. You know, the only thing is FEMA 
gave gave away some hush money so many of them can't speak about it you know what i'm saying so it's 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 like you know and 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 like this is something that's still very present i mean you know just to be honest you know damaris she came to tribeca and when she came to tribeca she showed me her legs and there were two new lumps on like on her leg you know so and like tribeca was five months ago so this this stuff is still impacting us like you know yes the, the floodwaters are gone, but the impact of, of Katrina is very present. You know, um, you know, when you look at, you know, just like how many of these children are not just mentally, mentally and uh, emotionally impacted, but people are physically impacted. Like, you know, trauma wears on the body, stress wears on the body, you know? And I think that like Damaris is an example of like, you know, like explicitly, how you know just like the the uh, mishandling of 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 you know like of this situation and the greed for the uh, economy and tourism to come back led to you know someone being hurt you know so um and gentrification yes. and all that comes with yeah. that well i mean you know gentrification is a whole different thing because of the fact that what's happening with gentrification in new orleans is first of all people like tina my cousin couldn't move back because rent is just entirely too high. Her house that, you know, like a lot of people in New Orleans rent, black people um, rent. So, you know, her house that once cost, um, it was like, I, I, I think her house was worth about $38,000, like maybe like thirty-eight dollars to $42,000 before Hurricane Katrina. I just got that house priced. That that house is worth about eight hundred thousand dollars now. Oh my god! So ridiculous. Yes, yes. So like, imagine, imagine what rent would be like on that place. You know what I'm saying? So, 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 so. You know, a lot. First of all, we couldn't come back, so they were displaced. Now, we also have to pair that with the fact that people who could come back are are being displaced inside of New Orleans. So you know, we have natives who have been here all of our lives, who can't afford to live in our neighborhoods that we grew up in, who can't afford to live in, you know, in the neighborhoods where our identity comes from. So, you know, a lot of neighborhoods are being combined into one community. And, you know, New Orleans is a very territorial place. It's, it's, it's you know, neighborhoods are rivals, you know? So when you put them all in one place, what do you think is gonna happen, you know? So it's a lot of violence going on and, also, you know, people are just scattered, you know, like, like, you know, there's a big identity crisis that's happening in New Orleans because of gentrification. So, you know, people always, you know, want to talk about, you know, you know, how a place being gentrified is, you know, a coffee shop coming, right? Or, or, or it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a Whole Foods being built, but it's, it's not just that, you know, it can lead to things like violence. It can lead you know, to things like, you know, identity crisis, it's, 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 it impacts the human more than just not being able to afford, you know, these $5, you know, um, 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 coffee, you know, it's, 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 it's deeper, you know, so that's, that's how New Orleans is being impacted just in like a few ways from things like, you know, gentrification. Yeah. Displaced in your own city it's it's weird to say yeah. that but you are and not to not to mention folks and families that were for that once they evacuated they ended up settling in other places like dallas or mississippi or and they're they're being called refugees and 
uh, violent crimes are a higher percentage against them than than normally would be. Yeah. Like you, you have all these 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 really powerful telling um, details in the doc. Um, and uh, talk about um, you know we've we've mentioned FEMA a couple times, and just to remind everyone, yeah. that's the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Talk about how it became, you know, the footage and, and you know, you show you show the Kanye West clip in there, the the, the famous clip. I, I, yeah. I, I still every time I see Mike Myers reaction, but but it's, it's um hilarious. Right? It's hilarious, but also like hilarious. So, you know, you got to laugh so you don't cry kind of a thing yeah, with, with yeah. the situation. Yeah, yeah. But um, talk about how it became such a, you know, a politically divisive, racially divisive um, topic. And, and yeah, may, maybe Kanye could have used different words or, or whatever. But I mean, there was a there's a core there's a core, you know, truth that we were getting at with. I remember, oh God, I think I was in college. And I remember, you remember hearing President Bush saying, oh, you're doing a heck of a job, Brownie, down there. But really, yeah, you're yeah, like yeah. seeing these images and it just didn't add up. But talk a little bit about how how Katrina became a window into the, the contrast of race in America. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think that the Kanye, um, you know, moment is a perfect place to start with that. I mean, you know, I think that Kanye was, you know, you know, he, he, I thought that he used the perfect word, you know, um, you know, I think that when Kanye West said that George Bush didn't care about, you know, black people, I don't think that he was only talking about George Bush. I think that he was talking about, you know, um, America. I, I think that he was talking about, you know, our government, I, you know, and like, I think that it was warranted. I mean, when you look at the news, it was black people in New Orleans, like, you know, on the streets, dead and alive days after Hurricane Katrina and starving, hot, you know, no, no, no power, like, like no water. And, you know, when you look at that footage and then you see George Bush flying over New Orleans in the plane, just looking down, like, you know, for a photo op and, you know, some of his, you know, some of his staff are, 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 are shoe shopping, you know, um, like, and, and like, it's just like, where are like the priorities, right? You know, like it's, 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 so, you know, I don't think that he was only talking about George Bush, but George, I think that anybody who was in that position would have been spoken about it, you know, like in the same way, like if it was the same response, you know? So yes, like George Bush was, you know, the head of our country and it's just like, you know, there should have been a faster response. So you know, if you want to prove that statement wrong, you would have done better. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and that was like, you know, one of the first moments, you know, that, 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 that I really realized that Hurricane Katrina was not just a natural disaster, but it was about race. It was about resource allocation, right? You know, um, again, at 13 years old, growing up in the city as black as New Orleans, you know, I'm innocent, right? You know, I'm 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 kind of naive to, you know, um like racism in a sense. Like not because I didn't think that it ex uh existed, but because I was around all black people, you know, <laughs> I wasn't really around white people, you know, to even really, you know, experience racism like that. Like, you know, because like I was around my people, my neighborhoods were black, you know. So 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 you know that was like the first time that like you know like I really realized I'm like yo like this storm is not just a storm it's actually because we are disenfranchised and black that we are getting this slow response um you know to help and like to government assistance um you know it's the reason that we're being called refugees you know um Kanye said something else in that moment like he said something that like really stuck with me he like he, he said that black people always receive the slowest help possible and you know and like he also said that 
you know, if you see a white family, you say that they're looking for food, but if you see a black family, you know, you know, you say that they're looting. And it's just like, you know, that was true. You know, it's, 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 it's like, you know, when it came to white families, like going into stores and grabbing food, you know, they were doing like what they had to do, you know, to survive. Right. But all oh, those poor families, so they're, they're, they're yeah, really stra- yeah, scraping by. Yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and like, you know, when you saw black families, you know, it was criminals and, you know, they, they, they're still in, you, you know, one of the yeah. craziest moments and like, um, um, I was watching some archival footage um, while I was editing this film. Well, while me and my editor was editing this film. Um, um, and, you know, there's this clip of this grocery store and it's surrounded by water, right? It's surrounded by water. And this guy, he goes into the grocery store and he steals an air mattress, right? And the conversation that the news wanted to have was him stealing the air mattress, but no one's acknowledging the fact that he's surrounded by water. He's trying to like, float on it. Know, probably he's trying to float. And like, you know, I'm like, that is the problem with America is that, you know, when you're black and disenfranchised, you can be surrounded by water, you know, with, you know, your life at stake. But the problem is you stole something so that you can float, float and like survive, you know? And, that's a moment that, like, I I really wish uh, I could have kept in the film, but um, it 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 wasn't working exactly how we wanted to. But um, yeah, like that's that's you know, it was just like you know, insane to see, and like not not to even mention us being called refugees. You know, like how many times we were called refugees is crazy. You know, um, because by definition, you know, if you pull out your Webster's dictionary, <laughs> you know, we we are not refugees. You know, uh, so that was insane. You know, like. We were being treated like we were not from this country. We were being treated like we weren't Americans, but you know, I think that to call us refugees was irresponsible and lazy. Oh, absolutely. And like you're saying, um, it, it's it's well, and first of all, Webster, I mean, uh, we gotta we <laughs> that that's an old white guy, even in the name, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. we're we're talking yeah. about deep institutional stuff yeah. that um that Hurricane Katrina pretty much um how do I say it? it? It was like a wound that was already there that just got yep. ripped open and shined a spotlight on Excavated. as like a prime yeah. example of what what has existed and hopefully what we were trying to learn from. I don't know. How, I, I don't yeah. know how much farther we've actually come. Maybe a little. Maybe not. I'll say we didn't come that far at all. I mean, yeah. if you look like, you know, I'm sure that you like you're hearing about what's happening in Mississippi right now. You know, yeah. if you look at what water, you know, like. Yeah, the water crisis in Mississippi, what happened in Flint, um, yeah. you know, so many other things. Like, like, I mean, I think that us sitting here in the middle of a pandemic, you know, it, it's, 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 it's like, how are we thinking about her, like, you know, what happened during Hurricane Katrina and like what can possibly happen here? My good friend Sierra always says, you know, the reason that this, this story of, you know, of Hurricane Katrina is so important to look back at now is because this can be in your backyard. This can be in all of our backyards today with everything that's going on, specifically the uh, pandemic. It's in Mississippi's backyard right now because of like the slow government response. And like, I don't think that it's a coincidence that, you know, it's a lot of disenfranchised black people in Missis- like in Mississippi, you know? So 
um, you know, yeah, I, 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 I think that the uh, story of New Orleans and like what they experienced during Hurricane Katrina, it's a very American story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, even up here in Washington, DC, I mean, the yeah. gentrification and that's every city. I mean, yeah, it, it, it can relate to everybody, everybody, everywhere watching yeah. this stuff. Um, yeah. Well, we won't keep you much longer, but real quick, I do want to go into a little bit of the filmmaking, um, you yeah. know, uh, peel back the curtain on the filmmaking side. Um, tell me about yeah. um, a the decision to kind of show you in. Uh, I don't know if it's Final Cut or Adobe Premiere, but, you know, w watching you editing it, that that was kind of cool to like show film yourself, you know, with the editing footage and scrubbing yeah. back and forth. Um, and also and also getting the cool animation uh, to be able to, you know, you, you're probably sitting there saying, I have all these interviews. How am I going to sort of tie it together? And the animation is kind of a perfect way to do it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we knew very early on that, you know, this film was also about me making the film. Um, me being in front of this story, again, me, me carrying all of this weight and trauma of a whole community, um, me carrying the weight of New Orleans, me carrying the weight of, um, of, of, of New Orleans, um, um, I'm sorry, of Hurricane Katrina, um, it was important for us to figure out how do we show that, you know, how, you know, how do we visualize that? And, you know, it was when I started going through the archival that was one of the toughest things that I, I've had to do in this process, other than listening to the, you know, traumatic stories of my peers and my family. Um, going through the archival footage, like taking a look back at all of that stuff and like hours and hours and hours of footage, it was so tough. And I knew that, you know, just, just like my, you know, community of, you know, people I interviewed was, was you know, was, bold and like you know had had uh enough courage to be vulnerable for this project so that we can get the story out i knew that you know i wanted to be vulnerable enough to show how that footage was impacting me so you know we just came up with, you know with the idea to film me going through the archival film film my reactions you know as verity you know you know as i'm watching all this footage uh, you know, deciding what needs to go go into the documentary. Um, you know, as I'm, you know, I guess like discovering new things and like doing my research. Um, you know, I wanted to film that because because this project is so personal to me. What I learned is that every time I'm going through that footage, every time I'm interviewing somebody, like you know, about you know the trauma that they experienced during Hurricane Katrina, I too was experiencing secondary trauma, and that's just something that you know we wanted to show and we thought that 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 can be a, a a a powerful way to show it you know how how is how is buck that, that that's me that my, my nickname is buck so like it was just like how like a a a a question throughout this whole editing process was how is buck how is buck being impacted you know how is how is buck doing while making this film and we knew that that can be a strong um story storyline like you know in this project um as far as animation goes you know my mentor Chike Oza um you know he's one half of Cootie and Chike and they just and they just you know um came out you know with the movie Genius about Kanye West and you know they are my um producers and mentors on this project um well mentors like just in real life but um producers on this project and Chike is from New Orleans and you know, TK kind of exposed me to fine art and, you know, black art and even animation, you know, um, he and Cootie uses 
a lot of animation, you know, in their project. So I always thought that that was cool. So a few years ago, Chika and I were talking about the idea of using animation in Katrina Babies um, because of the fact that, you know, this stuff is so heavy. And we know that animation, it can kind of cre create this vulnerability and this empathy for a viewer um, while watching it. You know, it, 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 it makes them a little bit more receptive to like what they're hearing. And we knew that that was gonna be important when telling these stories. We knew that we couldn't just keep using all of this harsh archival footage um, in every moment of the film. We didn't wanna do that to our viewers. We didn't wanna do that to the actual survivors, you know, of Hurricane Katrina. So we thought that animation could be a strong, powerful way, you know, to create that personal feel. Um, because like also, a lot of the stuff we don't have footage for, you know, um, you know, people weren't just carrying cameras like like some people were, but people people weren't just filming Hurricane Katrina. So you know, animation worked in multiple ways. Um, and, and before cell phones or before camera phones, yeah, really smartphones, yeah, like, smartphones, like, I should yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, like there was really no social media then either. So like yeah. like people 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 weren't just documenting this stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, so um, and we also knew that we wanted to use a collage style um you know um um of art like you know using real pictures and and like putting it over you know animation like we knew that that can be dope like you know borrowing inspiration from people like jacob lawrence and um deborah roberts um we knew that, that move that doc be... last year what was it flea used animation the whole time yeah yeah it yeah, can, yeah, work, it can yeah, work really well yeah oh yeah yeah exactly and we actually used real photos of of the people who we made an animated characters for. So like, you know, when you see my cousin Tina as an animated character, the uh, photo that's smack on top of the animation is a real photo of her, you know? Um, so it just makes it that much more personal and, 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 and uh, emotional. And I'm very proud of how the uh, animation came out. You know, I thought that that was something really cool, you know, to be able to do as a first time feature filmmaker, you know? <laughs> oh you know, yeah, I, 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 definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, so. Thank you so much for making such a, a great movie. Again, everyone, it's called Katrina Babies on Thank HBO Max. Thank yep. you so much for, for joining us and, uh, and, and documenting all this. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.